It's Dr. Stu's Podcast with Dr. Stuart Fishbein and Kimberly Durden. Welcome to Dr. Stu's Podcast number 102. And I'm Barry White, your host today. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm Dr. Stu. Sorry to disappoint you. A lot of my younger listeners probably have no idea who Barry White is. You should look him up on iTunes and listen to some of his music. And he sounds just like Dr. Stu does right now. Oh, baby, baby, baby. (laughs) (laughs) So I was just, and I was saying, I just, I, I had a birth last week where... Barry White was on the playlist, and I was like, "What?" Yeah. I'm like, "This is a Barry White birth. This yeah, is was, amazing." Was this a woman with advanced maternal age who was listening to this music? Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> according to Western medical systems, yes, she was at yeah. advanced maternal age. Well, just to let everybody know, uh, you can find us on drstewspodcast.com. You can uh, find us on iTunes under Dr. Stew's Podcast. Give us five stars. Uh, you can write to me uh, at askdrstew at gmail.com. By the way, I want to thank people who took the time to listen to Podcast 100 with my father mm-hmm. and for some of the nice, gracious comments that I got. Um, one of the things that we do on this podcast is we talk about mothers all the time, and we rarely talk about fathers. And and although this wasn't really about that subject, because my father couldn't remember anything from, from, from <laughs> my sister like, and my birth. Yeah, but, he was like, but I, I just, have kids? <laughs> and, and, this is, and this is not to disparage any families that don't have a father in it, but right. uh, fathers are really important, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to honor my father on his 96th birthday, um, and I'm grateful that I still have him with me. Yes. So, Kimberly, yes. you know how I am. I'm recovering from a cold. Uh, <laughs> I feel much better than I, well, actually, my voice is getting better, too, but I feel much better than I sound. How are you today? I am also feeling like I'm trying to get a really bad cold and I'm (laughs) desperately pushing back against that and sneaking in extra rest. I've been to a lot of births this month and I am getting too old for this ish, but I am also just starting. (laughs) starting. (laughs) So I'm I'm like, okay, Uh what's my plan for wellness? And so last night I finally, uh, I finally, you know what I did? I did something that, that it's it was simple. I just took a whole bunch of organic vegetables and a whole bunch of organic ginger and I juiced the heck out of it and I forced myself to drink it and I, I made my husband drink a little bit too because he was feeling kind of under the weather and that actually helped a lot but I'm really looking for protocols to keep my health well because this work that we do is not, you know, it's not, you know, we're not scheduling births, you know, we're, we're making ourselves available for when births happen And we always, we've talked about before that a lot of times they might happen many times in the middle of the night or you know how it goes. You're just up. You may or even when you're even when you're not up, you're always thinking about that you're going to be up. So you you are, yeah, and then that, also, hover, that hovers over it too. And, yeah, and clients are constantly contacting us even during the other hours. So it it's um it's a lot on the body, but. It anyway. is. So you have to develop a model that works for you, especially you because you have kids and, and stuff like that. And whether it's it, it's sharing a practice with somebody so exactly. that you know when you're on or off. Exactly. Uh, I've, you know, people know that I've been trying to find another physician to join me because California, um, you know, I do breaches and twins and California doesn't allow midwives to, to do that. And, and often when I go out of town, um, right. we have that dilemma. As a matter of fact, the last time I saw you, was right. at a, a lovely twin birth at right. home mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, there were interventions that were required, but right. there was a great collaboration between a physician locally who agreed to cover um, this mama and her babies for the week that I was back home visiting my dad and in case she went during that period of time. And 
there are many, many physicians who would, wouldn't even touch that with a 10-foot pole. But that was a really nice option for me to have locally. And for the mom, too, because the mom wanted to well, yeah, exp- yeah. have that, the mom and dad wanted to have that experience at home, and they had to kind of try to figure out who was going to support them um, when you were out of town, if the babies were to come then. And I remember that was a big relief when they felt supported by other physicians that were willing to back you up, even though it would have been a hospital birth, but were willing to, you know... Listen to sort of what they wanted. Exactly. And, and that gets us bas- basically into uh, what one of the things we can talk about today yeah. is, is uh, the whole issue of, uh, of human rights and uh, the, the big meeting over at Cedars uh, last week. And, yeah, la- and, right. Mm-hmm. And, and it ties in with what you said and about keeping it simple. Uh, you're looking, you know, you're saying, how am I going to keep healthy? How am I going to do that? I'm going to keep it simple. I'm going to do some, you know, eat healthy, that sort right. of thing. Get rest. The problem we have in the world today, and I'm going to di- digress for just a second. The right. problem that I see is that, you know, I read too much and I analyze too much of what's what's out there. And everything that I see is so complicated hmm. and is so, is, is so, nothing is simple anymore. Nothing... Everything has to have an algorithm. Everything has to have a study that proves it and statistics that prove it. And, and of course, statistics don't prove anything. Statistics just give you uh, uh, an information and which way to lean, but, but there are statistics on the other side as well. Exactly. And everything is, is confusing. And, and then one set of statistics is forgotten because a new set of statistics comes out. And so right. did that mean the original statistics were false or does that mean the new statistics are false? And mm-hmm. you, could, you could blow your brains out with this. I mean, things, <laughs> something as simple as a, a birth plan um, was discussed uh, recently at a meeting that I was at. And of course, as will be the tendency these days, we have to change names to things. We no longer call patients clients. We no longer call doctors doctors. We call them providers. And so now birth plans are now called birth preferences because you can't, because somebody, some administrator, probably someplace thought, well, you know, we're going to be innovative here and we know that we can't plan birth. So why are we calling it a birth plan? will label the birth preference. But okay. preference implies that that there's there's wiggle room there. Right. And wiggle room implies that the decision making may belong to more than just the mother. That's sort of my take on the whole thing. And and actually it doesn't. It belongs solely to the well informed mother. Right. And not to be be influenced by coercion or by um um, skewing information or that sort of thing. And, you know, uh, I know that I'm maybe not communicating as well, but just about everything I see, whether you watch the news on TV or whether you read stuff on the internet, whatever else, everything that seems so straightforward has been made so complicated. I agree. I totally, totally, totally agree with you. And I hear what you're saying. And I think your listeners are hearing what you're saying. Um, I'm curious to know because I wasn't able to make that meeting last week and and I had my it's interesting because I have an interesting story juxtaposed to that meeting last week did you say it was at it was at Cedars right yeah okay Um, what was the gist I'd love 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 to hear what what you thought about it the the overall theme of the meeting is wonderful okay? okay it is bringing people from all aspects of the birth world together okay for a like a seminar type thing to discuss things, to share things, to honor people. Um, that in and of itself is is noble, and uh, and I, I I respect them greatly for doing that. The problem I have, of course, being a former Cedars person there and having worked there for a really long time, is I know what's right. I know the Cedars 
Right. What's really going on? Yeah, I know what's really going on. Right. And, and 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 this is not uh, again to disparage on anything right. or anybody other than it's just my opinion. But there's you know everything there was about the Cedars Way. Right. And um, they take things like I said. They take things like a birth plan. And they are studying it now. They're doing a study on birth plans. And Why? they're handing out... What, what well, they want to find out which preferences uh, are the most... that People are the are most common. The most, yeah, the yeah. most common. Which ones are the most uh, vo- volatile. That's what researchers do, I think. They want to try to... Str- they want to try again. They want to try to make pregnancy an algorithm. <laughs> if A, then B. If B, then C. And and they and again, there's they're not teaching the humanistic part... It's very robotic. And people ask questions like, well, if a woman comes in and she refuses what I'm recommending for her, what, what, what you know. You're saying a provider's asking that yes, question. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, she stands up and she asks, what, you know, what should I do? And, the, and the, you know, there's, the simple answer is you have to respect right. her choice. Right. Because you cannot, a, a woman who is conscious uh, has the right to make decisions about herself. Okay. All right. Even even if it's going to lead to a bad outcome. Okay. They have that right. So the key for me is not the, the system at Cedars is is people that are strangers approaching these people with documents or surveys or things while they're in labor <laughs> to sign or to fill out or right. that sort of thing. Because that's the system that they work in. When when midwives in the system that I work in where right. it's there's continuity of care and there's a relationship that develops all these scenarios where people get nervous about, well, what if she refuses what I'm telling her? What if she, you know, it's because there's a lack of trust. Yes. And the reason there's a lack of trust is because they're strangers. Right. They're strangers. And they're thinking more on maybe illegal terms, like what's going to happen to me if there is a bad outcome or could I possibly get sued and right, all but those that, sorts but of that, things. But I don't think midwives actually, that's not a priority for midwives. I'm not talking about midwives. Right, yeah, but I'm saying I for said, doctors it's a priority, yeah. but for midwives it's right. not a priority. No, and it why isn't. it's not a priority for midwives is because they have a relationship with their client Absolutely. that goes very, very deep. Absolutely. All right. Now, the system, of course, is not set up for that. The system is set up for volume right. and shift medicine, which, again, is better for lifestyle. I, I, I grant you, we just talked about it. At the we very just talked about it, yeah. right? But, you know, just in terms of our lifestyle and what we're giving of our life force and our lifeblood to, to honor the wishes of our clients and also to um, give an individualized approach. And, and obviously, you know, if you're working with large numbers of people at a mass institution, you, it's, it's challenging, extremely challenging to give an individualized approach in the current way the system is set up. And I think that's what we have to rethink is because we're not, you know, we're not saying we want to do away with, you know, institutions such as hospitals and things like that. But literally, how can we make it better? Because something is not working. And 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 so I hear what you're saying. Um, and at least for midwifery, um, in terms of the way we we practice and in, in terms of the way you practice OB care, which is individualist, individual care, individualized care at this point, um, we don't we we don't take on a ton of clients. We 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 have a limit to how many people we can take on for that reason. And, uh, you know, we're we do have conversations with our clients even during the prenatal period about things like um, arbitration. Like what if something does go wrong? We can sit down, let's, let's agree to sit down and talk about um, this as opposed to trying to sue each other. Right. But the current model doesn't have that. And the problem with the current model is it treats, it treats 
sort of every pregnant woman the same, so, um, almost as if they're a, right. as, as my exactly. friend Hermine Hayes-Klein likes to say, a container. Um, <laughs> I call it a receptacle. She calls it a container. It's the same thing. Right. But it forgets that every woman That's brings right. to the, her pregnancy her life experiences. Exactly. And, and equally, every physician or midwife or nurse who works in a hospital brings to them uh, their life experiences. And a doctor may be speaking to a patient about a situation that that doctor may have had two months before that had a bad outcome, all right? Yes. And so that skews that person's viewpoint because they know what it felt like to go through this once before and they don't want to, they want to do everything they can to avoid that. Right. So they... They, they go the other, might, they might go the total opposite direction in, 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 in terms of trying to, to avoid that, but and what does that do in terms of the actual care that that client right. is getting? So I just think, I just think that when... when these meetings, which are again, they're great to bring everybody together, and it's a, it's a love fest. <laughs> and even even Who's even loving who, you know, everybody's loving on everybody there. Okay, I mean, even the people that that maybe not may not, may not respect what home birth people do are loving on people, and we don't, you know, and we're trying to make it so that the transitions and the you know that's the the key to this whole thing. The way the system works right now is some people are going to choose home birth. We need to be we we can't outlaw it. Right. We need to make the transition smoother because that honors the pregnant woman. Right. The the thing that I see is that they're always doing things from a scientific volume uh, point of view, and at nowhere in that meeting do they. I mean, they they really did talk about like doulas a lot and 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 the value of doulas. You said they did talk. They about did it. talk about it. And Hermine actually went in to talk about things that I don't think the hospital was too pleased about. Okay, in my well, own mind. well, stop right there. Just hold your thought. I just okay. want to give a shout out to the the grand the grand doula Ana Paula Markel, who, put the who we together. love dearly, and she's amazing, and she is a big reason that there's even these type of meetings going on. And so we want to give a shout out to her. But carry on. Yeah. No. No. I'm saying that that uh, yeah she she gets a lot of credit along with the, all the other women and I don't want to leave anybody out so I'm not going to even single out okay. the name yeah but that put this together because it was a really nice event but the what Hermine was saying was that you know the doula's role you know is it's it's patient it's patient centered care right and everybody has a role and to put a muff a muzzle right on a doula um, which is what some hospitals try to do, and I know right. that's we, you know, I got into a big thing with my friend Anna Paul and a few things about a year or two ago <laughs> about a, a, a policy or a paper they put out or uh, they posted about the role of a doula at Cedar Sinai, and it, and oh yeah, and, and I it took away that. the right to to question things openly or the or to say anything, and right. you know, I mean, some doulas have far more experience than some residents and and, right. and nurses, right? And at, at least with uh, you know, in normal birth too, because a lot of doulas are really. Working with clients, you know, not every client wants a you know standard vaginal birth or can have one, but a lot of doulas are there to help clients, you know, avoid unnecessary interventions, and so they are seeing a lot of normal uh, birth, and sometimes that's not necessarily what you know the doctors and residents may be seeing in the hospital. Right, and the, well, and they also know a basis. lot more right. about that in, that particular individual laboring woman than anybody Absolutely. who's working a shift at the hospital can possibly know or even their practitioner uh who's probably not around until toward the very end of exactly. the labor anyway exactly. so i mean that person is a very valuable person and I, I i applaud cedars for trying to bring them into the fold but they've always tried again my opinion and again i'm not there and i can't say this is only from the, the stuff that i've heard um and that's all i can know is that they really want to restrict them on on what they say and who they say it to uh, there's basically supposed to be no interaction between the doula and the staff. Well, uh, say, what, are you sure? 
Well, that's what was in that thing. You know, so maybe, what do you mean by no interaction? So what does that mean? So basically the dual. Well, if a, nur- if a nurse wants to, be, to do something to right. the to the patient, like start an IV or right. put her on her back. Right. And the doula thinks that, you know, that, that there should be another option. The doula is probably not supposed to say to the nurse, uh, can she wait for that IV? She's supposed to basically say to the patient, the nurse wants to start an IV now, uh, Margaret. How do you feel about that? Or do you think you want to discuss other options with her? I mean, it, it's, it, it's also for, it's also non, it's just not really human. I mean, why can't we all talk to each other <laughs> as equals as opposed to having this hierarchy that goes on? I agree. I mean, and I think that doulas also have created, doula organizations have created these kind of guidelines um, and, and codes of conduct for doulas as well to protect doulas because we aren't in a very friendly environment. I mean, it's it, it, when we go into the hospital. I mean, I don't want to say that's for every hospital, but there are still hospitals where you can't bring a doula with you or their doulas have, you know, Wait a minute, stop stop there for a second. Okay. Think about that. Right. A woman is going into labor. Right. And a hospital has a policy that makes it more likely she won't succeed. (laughs) Okay. Well, the hospital looks at it, I'm sure, as it make more likely that that person is not going to comply to what the hospital... Well, I I understand what the hospital is saying, but that's not their ethical and moral obligation. They think it is. Okay. Exactly. exactly. And they want to protect themselves. But I, exactly. I, what I would say by doing that, by making these policies and making it a little more unfriendly, they're actually doing more to set up themselves for liability than less. You know, I yes. just do. I just think yes. if people just talk to each other and if we share in these sorts of things and if, if the, the nurse who is very knowledgeable but doesn't know this patient were to take the doula outside and say, so tell exactly. me about her. What's her story? Exactly. Why do you think she's resisting this? Exactly. But again... And, and I think that nurses would love to do that because right. nurses love to nurse. Right. The problem is they're, they're inundated now with, with too much paperwork, too much computer work, too much. Exactly. You know, they're spread too thin. Exactly. And they can't handle it because the system is set for volume, which is why the simplicity of doing what you and I are doing <laughs> and the twin birth that we were at. Yes, you know, it was really, it was really, it was really nice. I mean, this is somebody who we happened to be somebody that we knew besides. Yes. And um, she picked her own team. Yes. And you know, I did what I love to do, which is stay out of the room. And, go, <laughs> and I, I would actually like to know. Um, oh yeah. Sort of what we went had another midwife. We had a midwife. Yeah, midwife, midwife was there, and they got to the pushing phase, and at some point they came and got me, and we needed right. to do a little bit of help to get right. the babies out. Right. Um, but. The decision was then not made by me. It was made by her with the people that she really, really, really was connected to. Exactly. And she was when I came in and to talk to her about these things. It was she it was, was ready. Yeah, she was she ready. Was ready. As she opposed was, to me getting impatient or me imposing something. Exactly. As long as she was stable, the babies were stable. Even if the pushing may have not been the most effectual pushing of all time. Um, if people noticing know what I mean by that, I mean some people just are good and, and forgive me. Um, she needed she needed some help, and she was yes. open to receiving help that was offered. She was open to the interventions that were needed because she had, you know, she had support and she had feedback on what was going on in her body, and she was surrounded with people that she chose that she trusted, and that is like super important to trust. You know these care providers that you put into place to you know bring you through this process and and so absolutely she was more than and she feels 
victorious. I mean, she had inter. That's the thing about birth. It's not about a lot of people who don't do what we do or don't understand why we we are advocating and act activizing uh, about all these birth issues. Um, it's not about having a certain type of birth. It's not about just having a birth where the baby falls out of your vagina with no drugs and yay, everything's great. Not all births are like that. Some births need intervention. Some births will be cesarean births. Some births will be in the hospital, et cetera, et cetera. Um, some births we will use, uh, you know, painkilling, you know, drugs to help the situation along. But when you have uh, a respectful relationship with your care providers, you trust them, you have uh, good informed consent that's always being shared. And, and, and in, a, in, in a time when you can really handle that information, not when you're in labor, in the throes of labor, getting informed consent, but like having conversations about that even before we get to labor, um, giving, you know, having providers that are going to give you time to process all of the various uh, decisions that you're going to be making um, along your pregnancy journey into birth and postpartum, then when things have to happen, when things go a different way than maybe the client desire, they have an understanding, they have an acceptance, and they can still leave the birth space feeling triumphant. Uh, we just had a uh, uh, birth last week that my preceptor and I at uh, with a woman who was uh, really wanting a home VBAC, um, home birth after cesarean, I guess you would call it. And uh, we ended up transporting that mom basically just for exhaustion so that she could, nothing was wrong. She was just exhausted. And she got, we were able to, she was able to get an epidural, rest for an hour and, and push her baby out. And she feels triumphant because of the way that um, her wishes were respected, her team. Um, I mean, we just, we worked well together. We went through the highs and lows with her. And and um, you had a backup plan And we had a backup plan, absolutely. A, right, so she didn't wander into a hospital that then treated her with hostility. She ran into a hospital that treated her with they were they were receptive and, and also she, when we go with when we go with a transport a we're there right. as an advocate right. for that client um so you know it was this mom feels amazing and coming away from it she we asked you know when we visited her postpartum she said uh we asked her you know how are you feeling about the birth and she said you know what i feel like i had a home birth <laughs> because she was a she was able she was respected she was respected she, was she respected. and she knew that that when she went in, it was for something that she needed that was going to help her. And, and that was wonderful. It wasn't something that was forced on her. She wasn't just automatically herded into the hospital and said, oh, well, you had a C-section last time. Well, we're just going to give you a C-section this time, and we're not even going to allow you to try. And so many families are in that situation. They have a C-section one time or two times. Well, definitely the first, that primary C-section is such an issue because there are so many providers that aren't going to offer a mom a VBAC. They're not going to give her the chance to even try to have a vaginal not their, birth after cesarean. And, and it's not their decision to make that. And I, I would like to say, getting back to the Cedars thing, that, that again, um, the motivation was excellent. I just think that the approach, what they're doing is sort of, uh, you know, uh, it's not backwards because I would say it's 180 degrees up, but it, they're, they're coming in tangentially from what I think really is the important thing. And it's not to try to analyze how we can come up with a better birth uh, preference list or, a, <laughs> or that sort of thing. It really, uh, I mean, it really what it is, is what, what happen, needs to be done is that the, the system needs to be changed exactly. so that there are less, there are less of these conflicts of, of anxiety that 
people need to understand, you know, I, I, I would love to see tort reform, but that's not coming in my lifetime. But, but something like, like teaching the, the uh, you know, not removing people, bringing in people like midwives or doctors who know how to do things like breach or twin delivery and teaching the next generation to do that. Because a lot of the, a lot of the comments that came up afterwards were about, well, a woman walks in and she's breached and she's refusing right. a cesarean and no one in the hospital knows how to do breach exactly. and they can't honor her and they don't know what to do so they, you know, they coerce her or they, right. are, they're mean to her. There was a case recently um, that you probably know about with one of our colleagues um, who got booted out of a hospital because she refused to have a C-section for her breach. Ended up almost delivering. Uh, I'm, I'm shaking my head. You can't see that on the podcast, but I'm just sitting here yeah. shaking my damn head, as they say. So if if they if, if they had people who in the hospital or they had a breach designated breach team that could come in when a woman had that, exactly. that would alleviate a lot of, of a exactly. lot of the this this tension that goes on, as opposed to you know trying to find a way to get this woman to accept the fact that she has to have a cesarean section, exactly, uh, even if it's a gentle cesarean section or right. or that, that sort of thing. So I just I just think that there should be more focused by the academicians who run these programs on I'm not saying they should stop doing what they're doing but they should more focus on retraining the skills and maybe maybe trying to nudge the model a little bit uh, to to return to something more much more simplistic well it, it's definitely going to have to be like a the whole system needs to be changed it needs there needs to be an overhaul and I just want to share this but do you think that's going to happen or do you think it's going to get worse well, okay. Let me share let's this. At, you let have me to share look at the financial stuff. You have to look at the. Let me the, share this situation with you before we're done with this piece, because oh, we'll never be done with this. Piece. <laughs> Ironically, on that day of the the Cedars uh, meeting, I was all gung ho to go, kind of, sort of, and uh, well, I really want I really wanted to see her, her, Hermine, because she's amazing. Uh, Hermine, what is her name? Hermine Hay. Hermine, Hermine Klein. Klein. And by the way, the link to her talk. Is on my Dr. Stuart Fishbein OBGYN Facebook page. You Good. can just go there and Got find it. it. And their whole hour-long talk at that meeting is videotaped by Don Thompson of ImprovingBirth.org. Thank you, Don. And so check that out because Hermine is just she is brilliant. Um, however, so I wanted to go, and I thought I had kind of sort of a free light day, and I knew that e Cedars thing was in the evening, and I, you know I try to get in bed early when I'm on call. Um, but what happened? Uh, I had a call from a mom on Tuesday night um, who had birthed at Cedars uh, with a 30, birth at 36 weeks gestation. Um, and her baby was born at five pounds, 12 ounces, so kind of tiny. Um, well, that's okay, though. Okay, no, yeah, okay. Yeah. And it's in the normal range. However. It's actually very normal for 36 However, weeks. when she called me, Stu, you know, seven days after the birth, um, she her baby had lost close to, had lost a lot of weight. Way, I mean, maybe, I, I'm not going to get too, too far into her details. But she How about percent-wise? Uh, more than 10% of its birth weight at eight days. So it had not started yeah, to so regain. And I got, you know, really... Like, okay, I got to see this lady right away. So I went to see her on the next morning. And you went to see her as a... Her I went doula, to see her. She called me. She, a friend of hers that w birthed with us at the sanctuary years ago said, you got to go see... You got to see Kim. You got to see my friend, Kim. She's a lactation consultant. She's going to help you. Got it. And uh, the mom texted me all this information and I got alarmed because I'm knowing that this is a baby that essentially is starving right now. So I got to her as soon as I could on Wednesday morning. First thing on Wednesday morning, spent a good deal of time with her um, and helped her with latching and helped her with everything. I mean, the baby was literally not drinking 
milk from her breast as she should. It was very clear and apparent to me, but not to the mom because she's a brand new mom. She never had a kid before. She didn't know what a starving baby looked like. She did not have any idea that something was wrong with her baby. And I was quite alarmed. So I asked her a little bit about her birth and I asked her about, did, was she seen by lactation consultants at Cedars? And she said, yes, but they don't have very much time to spend with each patient. She saw two lactation consultants at uh, uh, 15 minutes each, each time, which is just it's impossible to do a visit with someone for 15 minutes. And, but that's not the lactation consultant's fault. That's the way the system is set up. And she was discharged. Uh, baby then had very bad jaundice, jumped at uh, uh, high levels quickly. They brought her back to the hospital, got the jaundice levels down after 24 hours, and the baby's still losing weight. And pediatrician's like, I'll see you at the end of the week. And when I saw the condition of this baby, I was really pissed because here you have a world-class institution like Cedars. Why isn't there a better system put in place when we're discharging moms, uh, especially first-time moms, so that they can there, there – there are gaps in her care. And she was seen by medical professionals, but where did the gaps get filled in? Why was this baby – just getting worse and worse and worse and no one was checking on her and I came and did help make a big intervention happen for that baby so that baby could start eating um, but what if this mom didn't have the wherewithal to call someone privately this is not an underserved mom this is not a mom that's not intelligent this is not a mom without a partner a husband a home a family she has good insurance she has money she can she's not bad off but She's never had a baby before, and she did not know that her baby was starving. And I shuddered to think what that baby would have looked like if there were no interventions made before her pediatrician appointment. Um, and that's what concerns me and made me kind of really pissed off that we're having all these meetings, but get your ish together because you, you can put a system in place that follows moms uh, postpartum once they get home. There's a lot of mortality and morbidity that happens when moms and babies are discharged from the hospital because there is a gap. And There's we, a huge gap, and I can tell you from my perspective, again, I'm, eight, I'm seven years removed from hospital-based birthing, but from my perspective, when a woman had a vaginal delivery at the hospital, the next time the OB saw her was at six, six weeks. weeks. Right. Now, the pediatrician would usually be at two weeks. So exactly. you've got... You've got 12 days between the time you're discharged and the time you're home before you're seen by a professional. And never was it the routine. Now, that's evolving, and I think that it's changing, and I think it's changing for the better. It's just everything, again, moves that glacial speed for me, which is too slow. It's just <laughs> way, way too slow. But it, 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 it seems to me that there, there was never any arrangement for planned uh, two-day post uh, home visit or a one-week visit like the midwives Oh man, we see Home we birth, see our we, client, we see we talk to our clients like almost every day. Yeah, you just even check in every day, and, 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 and then them. seeing them at least four times before their six. And that's visit. not done in the system. That is, you know, is is way too overwhelmed. And I I don't know what the answer is. I mean, what, I don't want people to stop having babies. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. but but it, what I'm talking about, I think the answer is: can we re, we need to look look at our systems that are in place again, and we have to they need an overhaul. And unfortunately, like you said, glacial speed, especially in institutions, things move so slowly that even 
if we were to make a change now, it probably wouldn't be in place until five to 10 years from now. And then we might even have a different landscape happening. And, and we, we you, know, you understand what I'm saying? Like the changes are never up to speed with what we need in present time. Yeah, that brings me a full circle to the frustration I have of, of the lack of common sense and simplicity in exactly. looking at something and, and individualizing care and, and that sort of thing. And again, these things might be available to people of middle or upper class. But also, what does the woman of exactly. lower socioeconomic status do? The woman, who, low, the woman who didn't have a friend who knew a lactation consultant that she could pay out of, could afford to pay out of pocket to see. I mean, and, 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 and I, I get it. Well, listen, you know me. I'm, I'm sort of a libertarian <laughs> in my nature. I don't want to have another government program to say that women now have to have a government-sponsored visit at one week or two weeks. Because, again, then you get government workers coming to your house to... You know, who, right. who are not highly motivated to, right. they basically have a quota and they got to do their visits. And, and so they end up coming and going like the, like the lactation consultant in the hospital who's got yes. 15 minutes. So they spend 15 yes. minutes and, yeah. and then they don't know the client. They don't know the client's history. They don't know her psychological state of mind. They don't know, you know, her social uh, support system. Exactly. They don't know anything. And that's why, again, the individual model that I've just sort of joined uh, is, is so satisfying other than the thing you mentioned at the beginning, at the very beginning of this podcast, <laughs> which is the unknown hours and yeah. interruptions. Well, we've really come full circle on this whole discussion. Yes. Uh, my ultimate goal is to see these sorts of meetings and these sorts of collaborations continue. I'd like to see them to have a different tone. I would like to see at the next Cedars thing, if Anna Paula will listen, is listening, to maybe bring in some people other than, like, I mean, like Hermine was great, but bring in some other people from the community that aren't Cedars employees to maybe give talks. That's a thought. <laughs> um, you know, I would love to talk there. I would love to talk to the residents there. I was scheduled one at one point a couple of years ago to talk to the residents there. And then apparently the person that scheduled me had not cleared it with the higher ups. And once the higher ups found out it was me, then they went, they decided to take their didactic program in a different direction was the, um, got it. was the quote I got, as opposed to saying, we're not, we're not interested in having you come speak to our residents, but I could give a talk to the residents in an hour on, on breach delivery with a lot of videos, a lot of hands-on, that would help them in the rare cases where they are either out in the boondocks in private practice or if somebody walks in and, and wants a breach delivery and they're told to have a C-section and they're saying, no, I'm refusing, at least they would have seen breach. some and have some and have some skill from someone who knows what they're talking about. Why that sort of stuff is not accepted in the hospital uh, in academic programs it still is baffling me because that would seem to be commonsensical. But then I, uh, that's why I left because they things aren't commonsensical. Well, you, and you are a fan of common sense. I think I heard you say that before. Yeah, totally a fan of common sense. I'm a fan of Barry White now. <laughs> <laughs> and, no, my voice actually got better during it the podcast. Did. Didn't you it? Have to talk more. Yeah, it loosened it up. It's like an oil can. <laughs> All right. So anyway, All so this best. has been po this is this is a great discussion, and we're certainly not done. We're gonna continue in future uh, podcasts uh, I want to thank everybody for listening this has been podcast number 102 uh, please uh, like us on Facebook send me emails send Kim emails be you can be critical you can be positive yeah at askdrstew at gmail.com we will answer every email also except people the have, junk mail and people have been liking my personal Facebook page I think from listening to the podcast I also have a business page Kimberly Durden IBCLC on Facebook so say that like, again IBCLC which stands for International Board Certified Lactation Consultant. Yeah, we didn't even get to talk about acronyms today. That was one of my pet we'll peeves, too. We'll talk about too. that soon. God, there were so, so many new acronyms uh, at this meeting the other day, too, that 
that everything has to have an acronym these days. So, <laughs> Do they give you like a sheet? Well, you one, know, of, one of them was called... All the definitions they're all cute. Of they're all cute. One was called SHARE. I have no idea what it stood for, but it was S-H-A-R-E, and it's an acronym for something. And we have, we have them. I wanted to even talk about uh, some of the government things about MACRA and CLIA and all these other things. And we'll get to that in another podcast because we're out of time. We're so thank you for listening. Again, this is uh, Dr. Stu and Kimberly uh, for Dr. Stu's podcast number 102.